um, when he functions as sons under no law. Because we are the law. The law is the law, the law of the universe. It's personal self-feeling love. We're personal self-feeling love when we join to God. We're manifestations. We're all freedom uh, of um, the life of self-giving love. Um, the, the history of... Uh, uh, our human history are the processes, gradual processes which God, by which God can condition us um, for the um, Saviour to be manifested as one of us and then to go through his uh, um, uh, the way of salvation of representing us and, and come up and bring us up on the other side. Um, This he did uh, by founding on earth, in the midst of uh, nations, which are the forms of normal way of life in life in, in this world, uh, having one nation, which is his nation. Um, um, who came into being um, under his uh, calling and uh, guidance. Uh, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, until it became formed the nation under Moses, uh, and then begins to function in his com- in, 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 as a complete nation when Joshua brought us in, brought us in in the land under David and the kings. Um, uh, the uh, uh, foundation principles or philosophy uh, of this uh, earth nation uh, is um, 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 law and grace. Uh, law is, is necessary uh, when, when we're not the law. If you're not the law, you're under the law. You either are the law or you're under the law. If you are the law in Christ, you just are the law and there's no other law. You just function in the liberty of love. Um, when we're not that yet, which we're not, until we've moved into this, this um, union relationship through, through faith, then we're under the law. Uh, under the law says you shouldn't be that. Uh, the law is you are this. The law in Christ, you are this. You're joining me, you are. Expression of self-giving love, you're a son. If you're not that, and, and, and as a spontaneous fact, uh, you are under the law apart from it. And God appears to you appears to us and, and, uh, and, uh, and assume falls which we really project on him as if he's a no God when he's really a, he's only a yes God but when we don't know him as a yes God he has to stand out and say you shouldn't be that you should be this you shouldn't be that and so he appears to us as a no God you shouldn't be that you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do this law which isn't God at all it's only a kind of outer projection a kind of character we part on God which is a projection of our own of our own rebellion really which comes back and says, you shouldn't be that, you shouldn't be that. If you are, there's a, a curse. The curse isn't in the law, the curse is in us. The curse is the, the, the inevitable product of being a self, self-centered person, so you get the fruit of self-centered, which is hell on earth and hell eternally. The chaos we live in, if we're in, on, in that dimension. Um, because uh, self is so subtle, uh, we're so blinded, we, we try to make out we're all right. Um, knowing what we should be, and then what the law says, we, we pretend to what we are, so we live under pretense, we, uh, we're setting them out. 
And we hide them, they hide our real, our real basic self-centeredness, self-gratification, self-giving, under appearances of certain, some certain religious conformities, moral conformities. They have to be stripped from us. Uh, they are stripped from us um, in God's um, bringing into being this nation uh, to whom was presented in outer form the law. Uh, which even then they said they fulfilled, which of course they can't. Um, at the same time, because God isn't law but love, uh, the real, um, uh, the, the, the revelation of the law is embedded all the time in the revelation of grace. So in the earthly Israel, it's embedded in the revelation of the presence of God in the tabernacle and the sacrifices, which are presentation of a God who accepts, a God who forgives, a God whose presence is there. Um, uh, not wholly there, because we're not there in Him yet. We're far from Him, so we, we are, uh, we're, in, we're, we're wrong kind of people. Uh, under the law, which is to expose us, we are. Um, because the whole point of the law is it, 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 it uh, uh, awakens sin. Um, when the law says, thou shalt not, sin says, I will. And that's how we come to know what we really are. So law becomes the strength of sin, it becomes the exposure of sin, that's the purpose of it. Um, at the same time, even though we're uh, uh, not yet in the, in the new birth relationship, some of them were in that relationship before Christ came on earth in history, in the main, uh, where the come in history and there's, and there's the... Uh, the uh, the real, the true, the true Israel, which is the Israel of the Spirit, um, there always, there's always the presence of God in forgiving grace, not total. That's why there's a veil up in the, in the Holy Spirit, but uh, a constant uh, possi possibility of forgiveness, acceptance, it's through the sacrifice and so with the veil up because we can't live in the holiest. When you live in the holiest, you're part of the holiest. We are so for, a form of God's perfection memory in Him. Um, so that is the condition of this, uh, this nation's earth, this uh, uh, earth nation, um, which having uh, this measure of revelation, the exposure of the wrong and the presence of the right, the exposure of the wrong through the law, the presence of the right in the grace, uh, there can be a, a, a prepared ground, a background in which the, um, uh, the, the true Adam can come, who is love. Uh, and could fulfill this whole process of salvation for us and take us then out of the whole law realm, bury it forever. Take us totally into the grace realm where we live. We live in the grace realm uh, amidst law conditions because we're here to be light shining in darkness. And so we have to learn how to live as grace people in, the, in law situations, in, in uh, uh, negative situations. Uh, so it's something of the positiveness of Christ can come through. Uh, as a shining light in, in the negative situation to the negative people, as it, negative people as it has come to us. So we um, uh, had moved these days through uh, the start of the new nation, Abraham, its development, and Isaac and Jacob, uh, and now to its uh, establishment uh, as a, as a, with a, uh, a basis to it. Uh, in Moses, um, we haven't we pass over um, Joshua and the coming into the promised land. We haven't time to do those, um, and we're moving into um, uh, a little consideration uh, uh, set around the um, 
life of um, the one whom God uh, um, uh, named as the one after his own heart, uh, uh, patterned after the, uh, the, uh, the pattern of the future king, David. Um, uh, the background of David's uh, anointing and uh, reign as king um, is uh, the usual background which we see all through the, the history um, of uh, uh, people who ha- have a people have an external <coughs> relationship to God and not internal, inner. Um, you can't live by the Spirit unless you are the Spirit. Uh, if you have an external relationship, it can have a certain influence hold on you, but it can't be you. You're never controlled with the external. You're only controlled what you are inside. You are what you are inside of your inner consciousness. Only when the truth has become you is it the truth to you. Same with any profession, only, only, only profession is your profession may become you. You can be outside the profession learning it, it's not you. It comes a time when it gets inside you and it's you and you operate spontaneously on the level of that profession. And this is the truth of, of um, um, humanity. We act by what we inwardly are. Now, uh, uh, um, real uh, national leadership uh, is spirit leadership when the nation are spirit people that's the present church that's why God's busy knocking out the silly churches we make so much of and their ridiculous ministers called reverends and all this fantastic stuff which is only nonsense stuff imposed uh, the church isn't reverend so and so in a church called so and so the church is people in the spirit that's all a vast family who are the people and the leadership is the spirit in and through the people that's all there is. That's coming back, We're moving back into the era of the Spirit now, all over the world. The breakup of this silly denominational label stuff and uh, pious exercise on Sunday morning, which we call worship. Worship is every day, every moment. You don't have to go to pious exercise on Sunday morning to worship. Well, want to waste your time you can, that's up to you. This life is permanent worship. Because life is permanently uh, seeing and being part of this one who is all, and that's permanent worship, when you see him in all his forms, or in the light, it's one permanent worship, because everything you see is a form of this, this perfect person, that's worship, and we're part of this person, in these situations. This is worshiping spirit and truth. So, uh, the, the, uh, the real nation, the earth Israel, was only to be the, back, the uh, kind of womb, the, uh, the uh, heavenly Israel, which is we, we are the Israel of God, the people, uh, the, the people of the Spirit, uh, who are united to the living person who is not of this matter world at all, Father, Son, Spirit. Um, and uh, um, such need no leadership, they need, uh, um, as you like, consultative fellowship. Uh, I've had privilege of belonging to a mission for many years. We had no leaders. I was uh, technically uh, international secretary for many years. I had not one iota of, of, of uh, power. Because we're a consultative fellowship. All I could do was to throw out ideas and suggestions 
and, uh, and presentations until we can gather and say, that's it, that's God's will in our local areas, that's God's will. And so it's, it's God's will coming, the leadership is coming from the Spirit through uh, the cooperative fellowship of those concerned. This, this is the, the, um, uh, the new Israel. So we're not led by God. God's not our leader. He's our friend. He's our fellow. And he shares with us what he, what he wants and gets us to say, great, that's it, that's it. In fact, there's no, there's no way under no law. God never says do this. He just says, that would be pretty useful to do that. And you agree and do it. Because we are, we are, we function as God, in God. That's all bus business is out. I don't believe in subjection. I believe in cooperation. I don't believe in subjection between husband and wife. I believe in cooperation. When we don't know the secrets of, of spirit cooperation, we replace it by earthly subjections. Uh, and so, uh, this was the, the um, uh, next, the further stage in the progress of this nation, where it now had been established in the land. It got its footing in the land through Joshua. And the, it was uh, divided up into tribal areas and so forth. Now, uh, God was always pointing them to the, the truth because uh, so they could see they haven't got the truth and be prepared to, because they haven't got it to get it. You only find that positive when you, you find the negative, which doesn't, uh, doesn't solve the problem. Uh, therefore, he offered them no leadership except judges. A judge was just a judge, was a, uh, to advise, to uh, uh, help them to understand the ways of God in the nation. They must have a king who has authority over them. Uh, because that would, that would uh, um, be putting flesh in place of spirit. And the, um, the idea was that uh, through, through these, these men who were judges, they, they would be able to interpret the spirit to the people. And the leadership of the spirit with, through the judges and with the people, they'd be proceeding along the lines of God's will as a nation. That was too much for them to take. Because only a few knew the spirit. Some do. Some didn't. That's get operate on the spirit. Majority, oh, they must have uh, some outer controls. That's why we have religion. That's why we have churches. That's why our, our city churches are full. People say, don't do this, don't do that. Because people like that. They like little protection. It will help us. Shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Because if you're just a weak self, you're glad to have something you need to control. When you find an honest a weak self, you're an anointed self in Christ. And you are able to live your life because it's in you living in Christ. You need no controls. You, uh, you are part of the controlling factor of the, of, the, of the universe. You're in the authority. You're a king with God. But until we've got that, we like to have our laws and our religious services and our do's and do's and we like to protection. And this is what came out here. Um, they couldn't stand that. They had. Uh, some um, uh, judges in the spirit who had both strengths and weaknesses men like Gideon men like Samson men like Jephthah uh, and they were a very great man in the spirit of Samuel and they, they accepted the lead of the, uh, the guidance of Samuel um, but uh, his sons were not following in his footsteps and, um, and therefore, uh, because they didn't know how to see God handling a thing, therefore God has somebody else, 
They couldn't see that, because they weren't people of the Spirit who could see God handling things. They, they run, oh, goodness, what should we do about it? Where can we find somebody who said, give us a king. Your sons can't handle it, they're not the type, give us a king. Um, uh, God um, always conforms himself to free will, because he made free will, because free will is a free person. So he conforms himself to free will, and then utilizes it to, to uh, bring out some, some further uh, 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 operation of his grace. Um, therefore, uh, because he conforms to free will, he conforms to misuse free will. Uh, so he conforms to evil. That's why it says God, God, God uh, determines evil. God doesn't permit evil, he determines it. The Bible says that. Uh, Peter said uh, at, uh, after Pentecost you, you wicked people who determined counsel for knowledge of God by wicked hands have crucified Jesus Christ the same determined why? because God determines freedom should be freedom and if the freedom is misused he determines freedom should misuse itself it's all perfect but what he does he turns the misused freedom into a new, a, a new uh, avenue of grace he turns it into a new avenue of grace to, to solve up the, the, the wrong with the right that's how God always does it. So he determined the devil would crucify his son, and Pilate and Jews and so on. He determined they do see that they would be free. He determined they should fulfill the film out of that resurrection and the end of the devil, and the end of the whole system of law and hell and sin, and out into the new heavenly dimension. That's how he does it. So he does here. Uh, when the people determined to have a king, uh, uh, Moses, uh, Samuel played with him as a, uh, in his human reaction. He played, played, with, played with him about it and uh, thought God about you. He's here in the sixth, uh, sixth of Samuel. And then God said, Let him have it. Let him have it. If that's, if that's where the condition is now, let him have a king. So he uh, instructed Samuel to um, uh, inform him that they, they could have a king. Uh, but with due, mourn, due, due warnings. So, um, it was, that was coming in the eighth of Samuel, so uh, he gives a, a detailed warning to him, a kind of domination and tyranny, and, and demands that were made on them by a king, how he'd make them slaves and work for them and order them to spend all in that way, and they'd, they'd pay, a, pay a sad price for having, for having flesh, dom, flesh domination over them. So the spirit. Uh, that's in... First Samuel 8. Um, uh, so now, uh, with the um, uh, start of uh, a, a phase of uh, the history of the earth people, the earth is under, under king, under dominion of kings, God would utilize this for many uh, purposes of the gain of his grace and manifestation power uh, so as he comes through in wonderful self-manifestation through some kings others the opposite um, because they've, they've um, always got to find that they fail because we, we, we say we can keep God's laws and flesh can't keep God's laws he isn't even meant to he loves itself so we always have to revert back to failure until we find this final success when we as I say come out of the whole law system uh, into the um, empowered system in 
in spirit union with God. Um, then he uh, um, uh, gives the calling through Samuel to the first king, Saul. Uh, God's no respecter of persons, and it distinctly said he would have confirmed the kingdom of Saul if he could. He didn't select Saul to reject him. God never does that. He selects everybody to save him. He never selects a person. There's no rejection in God. Rejection is no self-rejection. As I said before, Paul put it right in one of his speeches and he said, you people who rejected the gospel, judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. You judge yourself. God doesn't judge you. If you, if you uh, prefer to stick to your own um, 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 self aggrandizement um, in your own forms of religion which are really only forms of, of, of self-righteousness well you, you, you judge yourselves unworthy of the grace of God but you'll get it God doesn't judge you so uh, it says that he was um, uh, ready to confirm the kingdom on Saul as much as he ultimately confirmed it on David um, uh, if uh, Saul would uh, respond to the um, uh, the offers of grace. So the start is made. Um, Samuel is told, uh, under God's guidance, that he's to have a one of these sacrificial feasts in his hometown, when they uh, have a make a sacrifice and have a feast and draw the people together. Uh, but at that feast, uh, a, a tall, striking young man would turn up, unknown to him a man who belonged to a, a well-known family. His father was spoken about as a very outstanding man, Kish, a wealthy farmer, and he'd lost his donkeys, and he'd uh, sent his son on errand to find the donkeys wandering about the countryside somewhere. And this was the young man who turned up uh, at the feast. Uh, Saul was uh, Samuel was forewarned, and so he gave him a special welcome, and they had a special portion of the feast prepared for him, and then the next morning he took him aside. Uh, up at the top of the house. I said, now I'll say something to you. God is anointing you as king over Israel. You're to be the, the captain of his people. Um, if this is surprising to you, I'll give you certain signs he's going to give you as an evidence they are. Then he gives them one or two signs. A person to meet him with some loaves, a few into loaves. And he's to get a message to find that the donkeys have been found. So he, his, his father was anxious more about his whereabouts than he was about the donkeys. And finally, the Spirit of God has come on him. Now that's a, 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 a reality, I suppose, for which we have no final answer, except that God is always grace. Was Saul a changed man? Um, was his life, therefore, an expression of flesh when he was really a spirit man? Was he really, because when we're people, spirit, until we know a better way, we can go very far, sometimes, especially until we know the unified life in expressions of flesh. We really, our basis is we're people of God, but we're misusing ourselves temporarily. Was that what Saul was? It doesn't look like it. But it says twice over that he, he, he was made another man. He became another man. Um, in the tenth of Samuel, it says, um, God gave him another heart. In the, in the, in the eighth verse. And in the sixth verse, he says, he shall be turned into another man. 
and the Spirit of God fell on him when he met this company of prophets. The Spirit of God came upon him, he prophesied among them. I suppose it's possible today that the Spirit can move on people without him becoming the person to whom they joined it, who've been joined to him, which is only, of course, through relationship to a crucified and risen Christ that you're joined to the Spirit. I don't know. Um, we always hope for the best. Um, one of the profoundest poets who really understood that he was a god of Browning. There's a great deal in Browning which can be great illumination to people who uh, uh, feed on the things of the Spirit. Browning is not easy to read, any more than Shakespeare is easy to read, though he knew God better than Shakespeare, though Shakespeare knew a thing or two. But um, Browning knew very much, and there's a marvellous insight in some of Browning's poetry, although he is difficult to read. And he has a great poem on Saul, when he makes out that, that if he longed to see Saul, God's man, he surely hadn't got greater love than, 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 than Christ. See the Christ stand. See the Christ stands. A wonderful poem. That's marvelous verses in it. And he he professes the ultimate. He's he's God's soul. Well, he hasn't got anything, a biblical background for that. We, we must leave that. It's what we may hope. That's all we can say. So Saul started as if he was God's man. Uh, uh, there was then a public um, selection of him confirmed in those days by lottery. We use lotteries for lower purposes these days, I think. Um, and um, uh, in the lottery, the lot fell upon the family of Kish, um, and saw started as a modest man, well, I doubt, doesn't seem later on to be a true humility, a modest man, actually hid. He knew it did not, he already had it in secret, and they had to find him behind the baggage and bring him out. And uh, his, his uh, striking character was he's taller than many of them. Well, God likes tall men, as well as small men, that's no trouble. That doesn't eliminate him because he's a tall man, any more eliminate him because he's a small man, like apparently David was. I don't know, he's very physically powerful, but you rather get the idea of a smaller type of man physically. Um, so there he was, anointed, accepted, uh, with uh, certain reservations. Like you get any any presidential election, um, and there are certain people who disapproved of him and uh, were uh, really opposed to him. Uh, when this uh, uh, public election was made, um, followed by a, a dedication at Gilgal, when he gathered people together and again warned them, and they had a sacrifice, and God gave a miracle of of a, a thunderstorm in the, the time of season when you don't, they didn't usually have rain and so on. Um, and he then said, now, I'll meet you, uh, Saul, um, so that, uh, as priests I make the sacrifice with you, uh, the kind of personal dedication to you, that God's with you and God will favor your reign. In seven days' time, he just put it in. He says, in, uh, in seven days I'll be with you, um, in um, Gilgal. Thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal. Lord, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice, sacrifices and peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry. Shall I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. You see, God has to eliminate uh, basic self-reliance. 
The celibacy has to liberate basic sinfulness. This is, you can't be the new person and the reliable person until you've been eliminated at the cross of Christ both sinfulness and self-reliance. The, the, the ultimate sinfulness is self-reliance. Those sins are only products. The real ultimate is I myself, apart from God, therefore I for myself. That's sin. That's, that's the evil thing. That's the satanic thing. But you don't see that. It's hidden. Because we're used to operating by self-reliance. It's obvious. So there has to be this... Uh, this uh, second operation of the Spirit on his, on his servants, first of all, they're guilty. And if they're in the right relation, they found forgiveness and acceptance. Secondly, the self-reliance won't do. They haven't got the wherewithal to do it. And they're put in situations where they can't, can't fulfill their calling. Like Moses. Tremendous dedication we read yesterday. Tremendous commitment. Through the palace of Pharaoh's away to identify himself with God's presence. Had got one out of strength. And when he moved out to do something about it, all he could do was kill Egyptian in secret and hide it. Well, that's not the way to, 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 to handle Pharaoh and his hosts. To kill one of his men secret and then be afraid that Pharaoh finds out. That won't do. So it was, it was exposed. If he hadn't got what it took to be the deliverer of Israel. So we have to learn not only that you didn't do it, but you can't do it. So God has to take us through something which tests out uh, are we based on self-reliance or do we transfer to God's reliance? Now that's a very real thing because God isn't here. Where is God? In here. Self-reliance says this, 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 this. Like we must have a king. God allows a judge to represent a king, God who isn't. Now, unless you're a spirit person, you can't see that. You'll run off. You'll find your church and your laws and your organizations to replace the living spirit. Because you, you're not, you're, you're afraid. This is a naked walk. It's a tightrope walk in, the, in where the winds blow. There's no law to restrain you. You are yourself. You are God in your human form. Who? And you walk a tightrope walk across Niagara with the winds blowing on you and nothing to sustain you except what's in you that's some walk no wonder the church has run away no wonder they hide under church laws to avoid this and say this is crazy it is crazy because you're not a Christian you're crazy this is this walk in the spirit now that unless you if you're in the spirit it becomes easy because you are that this is, this is our lovely spontaneous living but if you're not in the spirit it looks pretty dangerous and pretty windy up there you don't like it that's why they couldn't take Jesus, because Jesus had nothing except his father. Ooh, they couldn't take this person who went about loving, loving people and not caring about whether you kept the Sabbath or not. Couldn't take him. And uh, heal lepers. And, oh, my goodness me. We need something better religion, religion than that. We need a good, a good temple and a few laws to get a little cash out of it, too. That's it. They crucified him. That's the final exposure of self. It crucifies the real spirit walk. And so, we, we, uh, this, this further test has to become now, am I really walking by the person I can't see, who says he does things and will do them, and do them through me as I go forward, and his invisible horses will come through me, or do I say, ah, ah, I can't take that, that's not really me, I must have a little of this to help me through. And that was the seven days for Saul. Seven days test. And Samuel was going to come down in seven days to make this public sacrifice, which is a public demonstration that Saul's God's man. Because in those days, the sacrifices were, uh, were confined, because it was just to the law days, to priests. We are all priests today, we make our own sacrifices. <laughs> that kind of thing. You keep a permanent Holy Communion inside, you never need, I, I don't take Holy Communion for 20 years, don't care who. I keep the Holy Communion inside here. As a baptism, the baptism inside here, you don't dip a lot of water to baptize you. 
you want to waste your time, you can, it's up to you. But um, uh, this is the inner life. Um, but but uh, 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 you only settle in that by a test which has a dying to, to the outer reliances and the resurrection to the inner reliance. Meanwhile, Saul did well. That's why the question mark does arise, did he know the Lord? Uh, he first uh, got the loyalty of Israel by a sudden challenge by one of these uh, heathen nations around the Ammonites who seized a city on the outskirts of, of uh, uh, Israel called Jabesh Gilead. Um, and in the ways they had those days, they're not much kinder these days, uh, in our prisons, uh, in wars and so on, they 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 Jabesh Gilead, um, and the elders uh, pleaded for time, in the hope that somebody from Israel could rescue them. And the, their captors hadn't entered the city yet. Okay, we'll give you three days, um, and when you surrender, we'll accept you as long as we put your right eyes out. Everybody's had their right eye taken out. Well, as I say, a good negative spurs a good positive. That's the best of them. Darkness uh, 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 pinpoints light. Light shines out of darkness. So they hired the challenge. When he came back to Saul, he roused Saul, as he should. He was the king. And he sent a communication to the nation, let's come and rescue them. And he did. And he did a little clever military strategy. And he came this way and that behind the enemies and caught them un unaware, destroyed them released the city. So he came back in triumph. Now the interesting thing of the coming back in triumph was this. Um, and now, oh, he is a popular man. Uh, they were all going to follow him now. Um, and um, uh, he was, uh, they were making a lot of him. Um, but um, he, uh, 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 he said, uh, um, First of all, he said, uh, today the Lord has sought salvation. That's in First Samuel 11, 13. The Lord has sought salvation. So he's right there. His eyes are right there. Didn't I've done it? Oh, no, that, that's very good. The Lord sought it. And then he added a very interesting, striking fact, which uh, the kind of thing David did again and again. He had his enemies who wanted to, to displace him and kick, kick him out. And so immediately the people around, all his, all his cities in the, in the division, in the divided way of enemies and friends, which of course isn't there in Christ, um, uh, they, they said to him, now let's get rid of those enemies. Um, uh, let's go to death. And then Saul said, there shall not be a man be put to death for this day, for the day of the Lord's for observation. No, no, that's right. Let them put him to death. They had a right to that viewpoint, and now they can change that viewpoint, because Saul had become sealed among them as a, uh, the king uh, led by God. So there's pretty good evidence that Saul started right. Uh, now that came the next issue where the seven days uh, test would arise. Um, their real enemies were always the Philistines. All through those early days, the Philistines were, were getting in on and attacking them, um, making invasion uh, into Israel. Israel were very weak. They hadn't any arms. Philistines were armed. They didn't have any arms. And... Uh, uh, an assault had been made on them, some had been invaded, uh, which has stirred up the Philistines, um, and um, uh, they were, were, were mobilizing to attack Israel. Uh, 
and um, Jonathan uh, attacked, spoke some of them, and that stirred the Philistines up into action. There was a great army of Philistines, um, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, uh, people like the Sandwich Emanuel came pouring up to Micmash near Gilgal. Gilgal was his place where they sacrificed. Now then, uh, things were as bad as they could be. The people trembled, he says, and began to run away because they had no weapons. They weren't used to this kind of uh, standing up to the Philistines. Um, the Philistines were threatening. Samuel didn't come. One, two, six, six, seven days Samuel didn't come. He said he'd be there seven days. It is possible to read into the record he did come in the evening of the seventh day. It doesn't quite say. But from, the, from uh, Saul's point of view he hadn't arrived on the seventh day. Now this is the test. Uh, if Saul is, is um, uh, 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 representing God and he says God's nation and God says he'll, he'll, he'll preserve his nation and destroy the enemies of his nation well now then let's see God do it um, and the uh, um, evidence the public evidence that it would be God doing it would be the Samuels the priests of God will come and make a sacrifice confirming to them all that God's in this thing now we'll see God in action Saul couldn't wait uh, now you see in other words which way was Saul looking? Was he looking at the threatening Philistines, at the uh, runaway Israelites, at his own heart, beating heart, uh, at the parenthesis of Samuel? Or was he looking at the God of Samuel? Was he geared to Samuel or self or the God of Samuel? He failed. And he took a drastic step, um, which was certainly the uprising of uh, uh, the ego in him. He did the sacrifice himself, which was blasphemy and heresy in those days. He, he himself made the sacrifice as if he was Samuel. Of course, uh, making sacrifice doesn't matter even, really if you're in the right spirit because of course it was all but uh, he wasn't in the right spirit, he did um, to confirm uh, uh, to uh, kind of um, uh, confirm himself in this situation. Uh, so Samuel arrived. Now, uh, the, the test on self isn't that you strip, but that you stick your strips. That you don't, you don't recognize the slip and get it through. We all slip. Well, that's a pretty tough spot. Anybody might have done that. It was a pretty radical thing to make the sacrifice. But anyone might have done it after he was king. But the point was, when Samuel came and said, Saul, what did you do that for? Why didn't you wake me? And he immediately put a thousand excuses on him and wouldn't admit that he was the culprit. That's the thing. Um, and uh, um, why, why, what has I done? And Saul says, I saw the people scattered, and you hadn't come, it's your fault, it's the people's fault, and the fierce hands he had himself, everybody's fault except mine. Now that's the uncrucified self. That, that's the self that, that does it, what it is, fear, does it, and then justifies what it does. There's a person's way of believing in himself, and that, that he can find the right way, not in God. Now there's again. Uh, so this is the first evidence um, that Samuel was walking as, a, as a, a man in the flesh. I'm not prepared to say it looks as if he was a man in the flesh and never had been a man in the spirit, or there had been these certain evidences. So Samuel turned around and said, um, 
uh, you done foolishly, um, the Lord would have established your kingdom. That's why I said he, you, he, he would have made you king, but now your kingdom will not con- continue and God will find another man. That's a blow. If yourself, if you're, if you're, if, uh, it, it's, it seems your God's anointed, but you're yourself. The important thing is you're the only person you don't like that when you're told there's a successor being prepared for you. God doesn't drop a person on one incident because hope he still might be changed. Thank God he doesn't. So he didn't wholly drop. He didn't he hadn't told Saul yet he'd rejected him. He had said God would put us place that, uh, uh, that he would have given you the kingdom, now I find another person. It's a partial rejection. He hasn't totally said, I've rejected you. Uh, and he gave Saul um, some indications that uh, uh, God can be God if he could be trusted. And the indication he got through his own son. Now we don't know how Jonathan, Jonathan knew the Lord. Jonathan was a very precious person. He's precious because he had an inner relationship with the living God. Now, we don't know how he did that. They were never told. Anymore, we told how Joseph came to know the Lord. He did. Uh, and here the condition is, Saul is uh, hurt, um, um, turned it on himself, um, angry, frustrated that uh, he'd been rebuked. Um, and he sat under, uh, in a certain place, under a tree there, with a few hundred men around him. And here was this mass of Israelites way over there. Um, see, self is paralyzed if it's by itself. When somebody hits it, it's paralyzed. With hurt, it's paralyzed. Doesn't have to get out of his paralysis. Because the only way out, of course, is God's your way out when no matter about your paralysis. God sees you through. You didn't know that. So it's up there. Now Jonathan caught something. Now where Jonathan caught this from, except that he could see what God would do with Abraham or Isaac or Moses or something, we don't know. But as he sat there uh, with his father, and of course he saw his father's disturbed, negative, uh, re- uh, 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 resentful condition, unbelieving condition, except that he was believing in things material, um, something came to Jonathan. Uh, God always said he would destroy his en- our enemies. That's what he's here for, to preserve the, the, uh, his people as a people through whom he can prepare them to ha- have the Messiah. And uh, he'd destroy the enemies that, that uh, tried to destroy us. Um, why shouldn't God do something about that now? And he only had his arm there. He said, look here, let's put it to test. Uh, he says, we are on one side of a valley, uh, around one sort of rock place, um, Recent archaeological discoveries have actually been looking at that valley and finding how true this, this historic shepherd is. Um, and uh, there the Philistines have the garage on the, up on the steep, up the, the rock face on the other side of the valley. Let's do something. Only there's are there. I'm not sore. He said to me, he said, will you come down to the bottom with me in, in the valley? And let's say this, uh, there's no limit to God to say by many or by few. How many thousands have been, have been inspired by that since? We often have an ambition. And God's not limited to say by many or by few. We can say as much by few as he can by many. He's not here to human numbers. This is his faith as he's God, the, is, this, is the Lord of hosts, not, not the hosts. The so he said, let's go down, and let's put it to test. Well, I give you put things to test. Um, now, if they say to us, we'll come down, all right, just wait from down here. 
If they say, climb up to us and we do something, well, that's pretty tough to climb up your hands and feet and meet in the garrison up there. If they say, come up, we'll go, because it means the Lord's going to give them to us. This is the end of side one. Please stop your machine and turn the tape over.